Welcome to Care of Souls, a podcast of 180 Ministries where Dr. Stuart Scott serves as the executive director. 180 Ministries equips local churches with biblical counseling by offering counseling, education, and consulting services. Visit our website at 180ministries.org to learn more about how we can serve you. This podcast is being recorded in cooperation with the Masters University, where Dr. Scott also serves as a professor of biblical counseling. Visit their website at masters.edu to learn more about their programs in biblical counseling. Hi, everyone. I'm Mark Smith, and on today's installment of the Care of Souls podcast, I'm joined again by Dr. Stuart Scott and Pastor Adam Tyson. We're going to discuss the next one another in our series, which is care for one another from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 24 and 25, which reads, But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Adam and Stuart, take it away. Sure. Well, what a great one another to talk about uh, today, any day that we would love one another by caring for one another. And so, Dr. Scott, if you can, just give us a little bit of the context here. What's going on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then how is that helping us understand better this one another of caring for one another? Well, when we're looking at that church at Corinth, uh, a church that sort of drove Paul to his knees and kept him there, uh, it was an immature Uh, believers, uh, many who are immature, who lacked love for one another, which he really goes after in the next chapter. Yeah. Uh, just um, the The love symptoms, chapter. That's, that's right. To yeah. follow, right? The, the, the symptoms of a lack of love, and this is one of them, which is a, a disunity, and uh, Paul, where the Spirit through Paul brings up the analogy of the human body and how it works and every part of it is essential. And I imagine you could uh, elaborate a little on that. I mean, you have a body and um, everyone wants to be a certain member, uh, a certain, like they said, I wanna be an eye. I don't want the spiritual gifts of that aren't noticed. Right. And um, so you have this division going on, which is a symptom of a lack of love and really being, um, caring for every member with no distinction in the body of Christ. Yeah, I mean, really what's going on here is you have these spiritual gifts, mm -hmm. which are supposed to be a beautiful thing for the church to unify us, and yeah. yet if we're not yeah. seeing the spiritual gifts or functioning in the way that God's gifted us, yeah. according to His sovereign display of, of choosing how to bless one believer with one gift, one believer with another, it can end up being a big problem. Yeah. And it's it, the gifts were given not for ourselves, but for the good of the church, for other people. So we're to be edifying one another with the gifts that God's given us. And one of the ways that we do that are to care for one another. But as you just pointed out in this context, some of these believers there at that church in Corinth wanted to be maybe one spiritual gift over another that was more visible, that seemed to have a more importance. And so they're getting at each other's throats a little bit about that. Yes. And... Um, when he, he moves from there, that division in the body, uh, and you could see it in chapter three, you know, I'm of a Paul, I'm of Apollos, uh, I'm of the Messiah. And they, they were already subdividing into groups and uh, cliques yeah. within the body. Yeah. yeah. 
So we're really all one. And so how can we um, how can we be caring for one another? And just maybe another question, even as we dive into this, is is this specifically talking about caring for one another as believers, or is there anything in this context or in this principle of caring for one another that also should be included to care for those outside of the church? Yeah, and I think in this particular passage, it's just talking about the care for one another in the local church. Yeah. But there are other passages that we'll get to eventually, Galatians 6.10 and 1 Thessalonians 5.15, where it does say, care for everyone, right. and especially the household of faith. That's and right. So you, but this passage is primarily caring for one another in the local body, and it, it's not just with words, as we see in the next chapter, in chapter 13, love is more action uh, than emotion. And so just saying to someone, hey, I care for you, isn't a- enough. It has to be not just in words, but in deed and in truth. And this is a, in this pandemic, uh, this is a opportunity of all opportunities. How can we do that? Where it isn't just a phone call, uh, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with phone calls and emails and texts, but how can we practically, actively care for one another? And I'm not saying we've done a, all that great of a job personally. Yeah. You know, even in our small group, I'm going, boy, we're just talking, my wife and I this morning of, oh, well, we've, we need to be doing this, we need to be doing that. And um, there's really no excuse of not caring for better sure. with the help of the Spirit. Yeah, it's one of those things we all can excel still more yeah, on. that's right. Or get started doing if we're not yeah. doing. But would you say, Stuart, that it would be helpful to maybe start off with the encouraging words, talking with somebody, mm-hmm. praying with somebody, caring for them, and then as you're doing that, you're saying those practical matters maybe become a little bit more obvious yeah. of how can I bring over a meal, help somebody around the house, help them with a, a need they have. That's what uh, we want to be doing as Christians. Right. And uh, we don't have to just wait for the deacon team to identify those and do yeah. that. You're saying we can do that ourselves. Yes. And uh, as you said, if we just say, how can I pray for you? And they share, uh, this is a burden. Well, can we share that with others? And then, as, and it says there, you know, when one member hurts, they all hurt. You know, when, when there's a joy, we all rejoice. So if someone says, well, we just had a major blessing and answered a prayer, well, can we share that? Can, can our, our group or our church uh, rejoice with you? Or we find out there is a practical need, then if I can't meet it, can I find others who maybe can? So I, I, I agree. I mean, I think through contacting them, asking for prayer requests. That's a wonderful way to find out maybe what's happening and what's heavy on their heart. Yeah, for sure. This not too long ago, we had a need at our church that arose. And after uh, the service, several of the ladies came up to me and I just loved their question. They were like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about this this uh, situation at church. How can we help? Can we just take some meals over? Could we get together and do this or do that? And I just loved uh, that that spontaneous heart to just say, hey, we want to care. We want to do what we can. Uh, we want to help others. And that's really the attitude we should have. As soon as we hear something, it shouldn't be like, oh, me, well, I'll pray for you. Hope you get through this tough time. Yeah. You know, these ladies were like, hey, we're bringing a meal over. We're going to come help out around the house. We're yeah. going to come, you know, watch your kids. We want to help in, a, in the ways that we can. And what a beautiful picture of really loving and caring for each other. Yeah. And if you say, uh, call me if you need me, that rarely is ever done. It's just saying, we know the need, we're coming. 
just tell us what day works best. You yeah. know, you just get pushy, uh, sort of the smiling tank. We're coming. We're going to be doing. Just tell us, direct us, but don't call us if if you know you need us. That rarely ever pans out. Kind of like they're putting out their token, I'm yeah, available, right. but yes, you right. got to call me and pick <laughs> up right. the phone. Yeah. And we could probably think of some real practical ways to reach out, uh, can't we? So what would you say in a congregation, in a church, uh, is it a temptation sometimes for uh, certain people to show care and love for some members of the congregation, but not others? How does that play out in just our human nature? Well, yes, I I think that's a, uh, a given. That is a temptation to be with those that we want uh, to care for, maybe who aren't as uh, what we would say is um, needy, um, people that we feel comfortable around, it, you know, appeals to our our humanness, but isn't always a work of the spirit. Yeah, I think you even mentioned here a possible illustration would be if the pastor's <laughs> refrigerator. Sorry, yeah. yeah, I think this is what we're getting at here. The pastor's doing refrigerator. Right. <laughs> if that breaks down, everybody wants to come over and help the pastor. That's right. But if it's just Joe Blow down yeah. the pew there, who is not as well known then maybe uh, people aren't as interested in coming to help that guy out. So how can we fix that or right that ship in our just natural way of thinking about things? I mean, is there anything wrong with fixing the pastor's refrigerator? Not at all. Because, it, you know, hopefully we love our pastor, right. we love our elders, we love those who've been feeding us spiritually, and there's a special desire, right. hey, I want to help that guy. Yet, in the Scripture, we don't want to show that kind of favoritism where we would bend over backwards to help the senior pastor while others are suffering in the church. Right. And you know, those, I think discussing it, uh, like in a small group setting, and the Lord being the master teacher, he'll give us opportunity to flesh it out. Yeah. So it's not, it won't be just theory. We, we can talk through it and our belief, our convictions, and then he'll provide opportunities for us to um, love one another and sort of like a test yeah, uh, he's the master teacher. He'll test us and give us opportunity to do that. We just need to be have our eyes open and um, be looking for those. And yeah, would you say it's just it's easier to love your friends, those you're familiar mm -hmm. with, but it's not as easy to love others by caring for them. So what we need to do is get out of our clique, get out of our friend group. I'm just thinking about my wife and I were recently discussing, we have families over to our house regularly. It's a joy for us. We mm -hmm. enjoy getting to know new families at our church. And sometimes when I come across a passage like this, you know, I really get challenged of like, hey, are we just inviting over the people that we want to have over, or are we inviting also people that maybe we wouldn't be inclined to have over, but if we're not exercising some effort to do that, maybe yeah. maybe I'm playing favorites as a pastor. Yeah. That could happen for any of us. It really can. And it, uh, I think being aware of it is a, a start to just say, who are we inviting? And um, let's kind of make look at, at the list of people and um, work our way around the different individuals so that we're not just selecting a few. You know, I was thinking too, um, the issue of, caring for members in the body. And I know this is primarily about spiritual giftedness, but uh, in the area of disabilities, even caring for one another in the local church. And we have Mark here, and Mark uh, worked for years at Johnny and Friends. And so Mark, maybe you could uh, share a little bit on how do we display care for one another, the same care for one another when it comes to disabilities. 
Yeah, thank you, Stuart. Uh, it was a, a joy to work at Johnny's and just be around her and just to really see her example of how she lived with disabilities and uh, what an inspiration. You know, you always felt like you had no cause for complaint when you're around Johnny, understanding that she's been in a wheelchair for more than 50 years one of the oldest living quadriplegics on record wow. and still just and and very transparent about her struggles with that it's not all roses mm -hmm. in her life and she is very open about her struggles and trials but uh but you know certainly her her example and her emphasis in ministry is bringing attention to people who have disabilities mm -hmm. and who maybe haven't walked the road as long and haven't had all the the blessings and support that she's had along the way um, but uh, certainly seeing seeing how people with disabilities are often neglected mm -hmm. in churches even is real uh, they're often the invisible ones in the congregation that people think well somebody else is going to take care of that person uh, and so I, I think of one disability ministry in particular that just very, very simply had kind of a companionship ministry that they formed where they asked just people to volunteer. You didn't have to have any experience or any knowledge of disabilities, really. Uh, you just had to have a heart that, that cared for all of God's people. Uh, including people with disabilities of various degrees of uh, disability. <clears throat> and, uh, excuse me, come alongside them and maybe hold a Bible for them if they couldn't hold one themselves in yeah. the church service, maybe hold the, the hymnal and sit with them and just be with them mm. and attend to their needs. And maybe they're verbal, maybe they're nonverbal. And sometimes that's a, <clears throat> excuse me again, that's not only a ministry to the person, the individual, but it's a ministry to the family of that individual who maybe gets a respite get some time to take a break and focus their attention on worshiping the Lord and the service. So mm -hmm. maybe some of those examples help to flesh that out a little bit in terms of disability. I, yeah. I think that sounds like a beautiful ministry. You can mm. of, often be intimidated by someone who's handicapped or in a wheelchair, or you're not sure what their abilities are. But you're saying, Mark, it could just be as simple as like, hey, when you show up to church, I'm going to be assigned to be your mm -hmm. companion, your friend, to mm -hmm. be an encourager, right. and just to be with you throughout the service. And that gives the family maybe a short break and it allows a new friendship to develop. Yeah. And it could be something as simple, like you're saying, holding a Bible, helping stand or sit, and just being That's there right. with them. So they're not alone during the meet and greet. They've got somebody right there with them that's, that's right. just kind of helping mm. have conversations together. It's a beautiful thing. What, yeah. what do you think, Mark, just about, I think where a big challenge of this happens too, is just the big church, small church. Uh, sometimes folks will come to our church. Our church is only about three or 400 people. And the question will be, do you guys have a disability ministry? You know, and to be honest, I have to say, no, we don't, you know, and so we have a few people with disabilities at our church, but we kind of probably just tend to them as, as, uh, as we know them and come alongside them, but we don't have a formal ministry. Do you have any thoughts about kind of like, when should a church have a formal ministry for disabilities? When should it be more of this informal, hey, I'm here to be your friend? Uh, I think that's a big question in a lot of pastors' minds. Yeah, I think if you have a church 
and you have people with disabilities in that church, you have a disability ministry. You have an obligation to have ministry to those families mm. affected by disability. And in fact, I think of, you know, in our church, our relatively small church, as you said, there are families yeah. with children who have disabilities there. There is already disability ministry happening. It's just a matter of people waking up to that reality and seeing mm. the need for that. Yeah. And so I think it could turn into something more formal, uh, maybe if there's a greater need, uh, you know, where you have, um, you know, a need for multiple volunteers at, at a service, or um, uh, I guess it depends partly on the makeup of the church. But uh, but I would say it, it always starts informal. Yeah. And and it's building those relationships, seeing opportunities right. to to plug in and serve, and then maybe in time it could become more and more measured of how that's being uh, handled versus it just being like yeah. show up and do what you can if if you need it. That's right. And not only on Sundays, but throughout the week of maybe giving the caregivers uh, a break for a weekend or a, a night out. That's right. Or something like that. It uh, it's not just on Sunday, but even. How do we care for them throughout the week? Yeah, respite care is a huge ministry and a, and a really unrecognized opportunity. You know, just uh, you think about the families, again, who, you know, 24-7, they're attending to yeah. that disabled yeah. child or, or sibling or parents in some mm -hmm. cases, and they are a full-time caregiver. Yeah. And so just giving them a half hour, mm -hmm. hour running errands for them or attending to the the person with a disability and allowing you know the caregiver to get out and run errands or fellowship or whatever the need may be is uh, yeah it's a it's a, a viable and and it's a ripe opportunity for for ministry yeah we're really saying that caring isn't it steward it's just life on life it you don't is, have to have a special education or credential yep. you have to have a heart a beating heart who loves God and loves people and then That's you right. want to naturally come alongside and care yep. for them and know our one of the greatest enemies is our just our sinful flesh we we just are thinking more of ourselves than of Christ and and the body of Christ and other people yeah it's the fulfillment of the law right at the love for the lord and for others Thanks, guys, for another helpful discussion about one anothering, specifically caring for one another, which it's such an important command from God's word for us. Caring for one another, it's a constant challenge as it reveals our sin and selfishness and drives us to the cross to deny ourselves and follow Christ. To our listeners, some action items and questions for you to think about and apply to your life from today's discussion include looking around you the next time you're at church or looking through your church directory and taking note of specific people for whom you may have neglected to care. Thinking about people in your life whom you may have neglected, such as your spouse, children, roommate, parents, or another person who needs Christ-like care. Take a look at your own heart. Do you notice a pattern in those whom you care for and those whom you may neglect to care for? If so, Confess the sin of partiality and repent of it. Turn from it, turn to God, and do the opposite by intentionally caring for those whom you have neglected. And lastly, be specific about how you'll care for others, including specifying a time, place, and even an activity you'll do for them. You might even seek someone to hold you accountable for this commitment to help you follow through with it. 
So long for now. We look forward to sharing our next installment of the Care of Souls podcast with Dr. Scott and Pastor Tyson soon. Until then, take care. Thank you for joining us today on Care of Souls. We hope you were challenged and encouraged by the truth from Scripture and are better equipped to serve Christ in His church. Visit our website at 180ministries.org to learn more about our resources and services. Until next time, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. May the Lord bless you as you abide in Him.